This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Right-sided. We don't know what we're giving away because we aren't the bad guys and bad gals, right? We don't have that perspective. And that's the key, what you just touched upon right there. We do not know what we're giving away. That is so key because I don't think about what I'm giving away. Once you're knee deep into it, it's it's really kind of too little too late. continued today in the most notorious criminal trial in Richland County history. Dr. John Boyle is accused of killing his wife, Noreen, and burying her body in the basement of his new home in Erie, Pennsylvania. The 12-year-old son finally took the stand. As I heard a scream, I heard a thud. It was about this loud. We, the jury, find the defendant guilty. When I was 12 years old, my testimony sent my father to prison for murdering my mother. This podcast serves as a type of therapy and reconciliation for myself. And it is my hope that it helps anyone who has experienced deception, betrayal, and dark trauma. I'm Collier Landry, and this is Moving Past Murder. Hey, movers, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode of Moving Past Murder. I am your host, Collier Landry, and what's going on? Uh, I want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in again this week and uh, your support is so appreciated as I build this program. Thank you very much. You guys are amazing. Uh, Those of you watching on YouTube, please don't forget to like and subscribe. Uh, Those of you who support me via Patreon, thank you very much. Those of you that are joining me from TikTok, welcome. And uh, yeah, let's get into today's episode. So um, today I have a really special guest. Uh, His name is Chris Salgado. I met him at CrimeCon, and I'm gonna tell you a little bit about him. But first, of course, as you guys know, we do listener letters dms messages and this one comes from youtube from my youtube channel from cali wind x and they are commenting on my last episode where i featured letters from my father in prison uh from his first year there were as you guys know on the program i read letters from my father and they are all basically blind letters i pull them out of a bin and i just happen to open you know have two or three of them that were all strung together that were from when he was first incarcerated early 1991. So he was incarcerated officially uh, June 26th, 1990. And then these were from 1991. And um, they're very interesting because those letters, as if you guys uh, listened to the, the program last week, those letters are sort of the genesis of his laying of the foundation of manipulation. And again, um, for those of you who don't know, I testified against my father during his murder trial uh, for murdering my mother because I witnessed it happened. I was the one that found the clues with the detectives and ultimately led them to my father as the chief suspect when they treated it as a missing persons case. When I was 11 years old, when it went to trial, it was 12. Um, 
But uh, my father uh, was starting to lay these foundations of manipulation because he was very angry with me for testifying against him. It's very interesting to me because I don't look, like I said, I don't look at these letters until I read them for you guys. And then I just see this like, oh my God. And I start to, it, it kind of hits me like right live as I'm reading them because they are, um, you know, he's beginning to plant the seeds of doubt, of manipulation and guilting me and uh, gaslighting me. And so in these particular letters, he was, you know, the setting up the, I was a good father type of thing and looking out for you and protecting you. And it, it was pretty, it was pretty nuts. So Caliwin X on YouTube says, I think you are right that even in those initial letters, he is beginning the long-term con in an attempt to ultimately convince you in recanting your testimony. I do not think for one minute that he even sat with you watching TV or a film a hundred times over. He is inventing a closeness that wasn't ever there. And that is absolutely true, Callie Wynn, because my father was not around very much. And even in my younger days, I mean, I do remember some nice moments with my father. I'm not going to lie. Like he was there in my life, but this uh, insinuation that he watched Star Wars, I'm sorry, it was Return of the Jedi with me you know, a hundred times at least on the VHS tape. And that just never happened. I don't even think I saw that movie a hundred times, to be honest with you. So uh, it's interesting because he's he was planting those little seeds to make me feel guilty because this was a time when he was, and he writes in one of the letters, as I read, he says he is working very hard to overturn this illegal conviction. And... That has been my father's whole MO the entire time ever since he was caught. Uh, it's blame the victim, blame other people. It wasn't his fault, yada, yada, yada. I digress because it's just the characteristics of a sociopath and a narcissist. Oh boy. Um, and sometimes these letters can be exhausting. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but anyways, speaking of investigations. So my uh, guest today is a gentleman named Chris Salgado. And Christopher and I met at CrimeCon this year in Las Vegas. Um, he was a keynote speaker actually at the event. So Christopher is a cyber investigations expert. He was a former investigator with Facebook, and he is the current CEO of All Points Investigations, LLC. Um, he is, a, he was, like I said, he was a keynote speaker at CrimeCon. He has been, he's a part of the London Speakers Bureau. And he travels around the world raising awareness for social engineering, uh, romance scams, and online threat mitigation that he discusses with his clients. Um, and he was just fascinating because as I was talking about in my Instagram live last week, which by the way, every Tuesday, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern time, I go live on Instagram, but on my Instagram lives, Last week, I was discussing, I'm always talking about my online sort of dating life and I'll get more into it. I've kind of maybe taken a little break, but I do talk about them on the lives from time to time. But uh, I was talking about how I had just received a message from a girl or a, a, a girl, you know, who knows what it was, um, a person uh, advertising their services via a Google document that was sent to me, not a text message, not an email, not a direct, not a DM on Instagram or Twitter, 
a Google Doc. And I was like, this is sort of weird. I have been getting, and I'm sure you guys have too, getting these weird uh, text messages. If you guys use WhatsApp, I will get these messages that say, hey, Peter, just wanted to say hi. I'm congratulations on your new restaurant opening up in Las Vegas. I can't wait to come to the opening gala. And of course, naturally, as a, as a human being, as, as somebody who's responsive, you want to go, well, hey, man, I'm not Peter. I'm Collier. Um, like, who is this? Like, how do we know each other? And then they get you to engage. And obviously this is a scam to get your information or get you to send the money or maybe link up or who knows where it could go. So, um, I didn't really realize this and I engaged with a couple of these people on WhatsApp, but I, I shared with them, I was like, Hey, I host a podcast calling moving past murder. You should check it out. And then I think they were bored with me and they were like, okay, I'm not going to get any money out of this guy. But, um, you know, there are often, you know, I get these text messages. I get these emails, I get these DMS and they're, they're seemingly you know trying to reach out for to a different person to try to draw you in so when I met Christopher I was talking to him about this at CrimeCon because I was very interested in these sort of in these phishing scams or as he as he talks about them smishing scams uh, using SMS but also just the sort of uh, online privacy and the sort of caution that you have to approach these things like internet dating app dating uh, and you never know who is on the other side of the communication with you. And, um, you know, there are many of these romance scans. We've all heard the cautionary tales, people being taken for lots of money, people being taken for, you know, their investments and their, their 401ks and committing to someone who they've never met. I mean, look, there was the Tinder swindler documentary. There was the love fraud documentary. There was bad vegan these are all documentaries that came out within the last six months where people were perpetrating these scams and creating alternate lifestyles online. So one of the things that Christopher talks about and he spoke about at CrimeCon is social engineering. So anyways, on that note, I am pleased to welcome to the program, Chris Salgado. My guest today is Christopher Salgado. Christopher is a cyber investigations expert. He is a former investigator at Facebook and the current CEO of All Points Investigations, LLC. Uh, Christopher and I met at CrimeCon this year in May of like two months ago. And Christopher, welcome to the program, man. How are you? Thank you, Collier. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I'm great. I appreciate uh, being on the forum here. One of the things that when, you know, we were introduced, I, were we introduced by Chris Hansen at CrimeCon? We were introduced by... It was like a little group of us Yes, all. it was Chris Hansen that we led to, but I believe Joe, uh, who is Chris Joe Hansen, Garner. Yeah, Joe Garner, who is or was yes. a producer, a longtime friend of Chris Hansen's, um, introduced you and I. Yeah. So anyways, thank you for being with us. And man, we touched upon a lot of things in a very brief period of time there at CrimeCon. Yeah. And you were a speaker there this year, correct? I was. I was one of the keynotes on romance scams. Yeah. So that is something I think that you and I were, um, were talking about because I had recently watched a documentary called The Love Fraud on Showtime, which I'm sure you're familiar with. I don't remember the guy's name, but uh, one of the things that... <laughs> A lot of my audience knows that I do online dating occasionally <laughs> and I'm on again, off again, love, hate relationships. <laughs> but I was mentioning on Instagram live the other day about a new thing that came in where I got a Google document from someone and it basically was saying, I'm a prostitute. This is my rates and this, and I'm like, how is somebody sending me a Google doc? Because I've noticed recently, you know, I'll do business via WhatsApp and then you'll get text messages. They'll say, Hey, uh, Hey. Eric, nice meeting you. When is your restaurant opening again? And then you 
probably respond, hey, I, this is not Eric, my name is Collier. And then the, the whole thing evolves from there, right? And these like phishing scams, but I guess they're becoming obviously more and more uh, intricate and complex in, in their nature. Um, so this is what you specialize in, right? Social engineering, romance scams, things of that nature. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you came into this work? Sure. It was uh, it was just haphazardly, so to speak. So I'm in Florida now. I was born and raised in Chicago. And um, before my stint in investigations, which is a little over 20 years as an investigator, um, I was in the customer service arena. And back in Chicago, I answered literally a newspaper ad. Um, don't want to date myself, but literally a newspaper ad for a customer service manager at a law firm in Chicago. And I went with it. And during the interview between me and the um, general manager, she said, hey, Chris, you, you've got the job. But, you know, it, it came out that I had an interest in law. Right. So she said, hey, Chris, you've got the job. But we also have an in-house investigator role here if you want to check it out. I think I said something like, sure, I'll, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> you know. And then I was an in-house investigator at that firm for a few years and I just really enjoyed it and then grew into field investigations because that was mostly in-house. I visited courthouses and stuff like that, but nothing really extreme outside of the four walls of the law firm um, and rolled into field investigations, did a lot of different things like that, surveillance of various sorts, interviews, accident scene investigations, stuff like that. So really opened up the aperture of types of investigations that I engaged in. I really enjoyed that as well. And then fast forward to um, you know, about 2016, um, Facebook got a hold of me through a contractor um, and uh, they reached out to me and said, hey, Chris, uh, we would like you to help with building the investigations division at Facebook. And after my jaw hit the floor, I was like, yeah, sure, that'd be great. Because in Chicago, I had a reputation for building systems and installing efficiencies in current ones. And um, somehow this company uh, that Facebook you know, had as a contractor or a vendor uh, got a hold of me. And then I accepted the position, rolled out to Facebook and uh, helped build the um, investigations division on a global scale there. And it was great. And uh, Facebook enjoyed what I did as a contractor. So they bought out my contract and made me an FTE, full-time employee and gave me a whole other roster of things to do. And I was at a pretty critical, I was there at a pretty critical time. I was there when uh, Cambridge Analytica broke. I was there when Mark, Mark Zuckerberg testified in front of Congress and Parliament on the topic. And then when the Russians hacked the platform in the 2016 election, I was there post-election, wow. but I was there in December 2016. Obviously, the election was a month before, but I was there when the fuel really hit the fire to say, hey, what sure. the hell happened on the platform here? So. I helped manage those investigations and, and conduct those investigations. And it was, um, it was a pretty interesting time. I thought I knew cyber investigations before Facebook. I did not know cyber investigations before Facebook. Um, it was great. It was great. And, and I left Facebook specifically to open up my own gig here and shot from California here to Florida. And now we do cyber investigations and physical investigations all over the globe for various reasons, like you said, romance scams, um, social engineering, uh, threat management. We do work for insurance companies. We do cult, C-U-L-T investigations as well for individuals. Um, just really, and now I teach you know lots of people and corporations uh, on how to maintain a moderate uh, online uh, exposure level 
and try to mitigate your, your online exposure level if you're too exposed, which most of us, if not even all of us, are definitely overexposed. Oh, yeah. sure. I, I think about that all the time. Not, not that I'm a paranoid person, but I do feel like, my God, I give out a lot of information mm -hmm. without even realizing yeah. that I'm giving out a lot of information. Like just taking photos. I mean, and I don't really want to talk about it because I don't want to bring it up. But like when I take photos of like where I'm at and I'm like, I, if somebody really, you know, one of the guests I've had on the program or I'm having on the program, her name is Lenora Claire, and she is known as the Aaron Brockovich of stalking. And we got into a very serious conversation of stalkers and their behavior and her, uh, you know, these people especially when it seems, you know, not all of them, of course, but some of them are affluent mm -hmm. and have nothing better to do with mm -hmm. their time, literally. And you think about the amount of, and I've, I've had a stalker, the amount of energy that they put into it, and I, it, it, it's staggering. And just the what they can draw from your data that you don't even realize you're giving out. You're like, oh, I'm a fairly private person. But it's like, no, you take photos of where you're walking or where you're, it's, it's a little jarring when you start to, sit with it for a minute um so w back to your role at facebook so cambridge analytica obviously that whole thing was you know <laughs> we could go on and yeah. on for days yeah. about that but what so what do you see that is most prevalent in these sort of in, in people giving up information like what are ways that people should be thinking about you know maybe perhaps whether sharing their data online is that something they should be concerned about or or what do you yeah think? i mean absolutely i mean nowadays our data is literally worth more valuable than gold um, each one of us carries a significant amount of value to whichever company owns your data or or has your data i'll say right uh, own in a certain capacity yeah because they don't own it they don't they, they don't own they, it correct? so they don't own chris to. salgado right but they own your data sure. that you directly or indirectly, indirectly, indirectly gave them because you signed a contract with your cell phone provider and that says, hey, we can give it out to everyone for a free ice cream or whatever it is, you know, and then, you know, further down the uh, the relay chain, the eighth company in, they've gotten it. Now, Chris Salgado did not give them permission, but did give them permission by signing that contract with my cell phone provider that says we can give it to anybody we want. And that person just, it's a relay, it's a domino effect, right? So they do and they don't, um, but yeah, you should definitely be concerned with how exposed you are because to your point, um, you know, a lot of people are just siphoning as much information from you as possible. And to your credit with, I didn't think I was given that much information. You, you shouldn't think that way because you're not overexposing yourself through your perspective. It's just when you get trolls, when you get people that are so greedy and so unfortunately super skilled at just siphoning the information from your general profile and building a dossier on you to say, I'm going to spearhead this person because I want to get in Collier's life for whatever reason, financial gain or otherwise, right? Um, we don't know what we're giving away because we aren't the bad guys and bad gals, right? We don't have that perspective. And, and that's the key, what you just touched upon right there. We do not know what we're giving yep. away. That is so key because I don't think about what I'm giving away. I don't think about all the, the stuff that it, because I'm not a paranoid person, right? It's social media. It's meant to be social. It's meant to be something where, you know, we are engaging with others and we're all on a platform and it's a good time. And for me, it's, it's designed to be social. So I don't want to be 
paranoid, but it, the key really is, is what are you, what are you giving up? Like, <laughs> and making available to these people. I saw a film called Don't Fuck With Cats. Have you seen this film? Oh yeah, of course. And I was very terrified by the film's subject, the guy, obviously a horrible person. But what I found more terrifying is how the people caught him and found him using these social media platforms, using these, you know, um, bulletin board systems, using, I mean, it was like, whoa, it was very intense. Um, so it feels like anybody can find anything out about anyone and do, do even online protection, you know, like you purchase a package from McAfee or whatever company is offering. I mean, it's all valuable because <clears throat> there's no foolproof engagement or defense against anything. Social engineering, phishing, ransomware, any kind of virus. There's no foolproof system out there. So what you have to do is you have to install layered security measures. You mentioned McAfee. Grab your antivirus, right? Grab an antivirus that in helps you avoid phishing campaigns, which is the number one channel for social engineers to engage you upon. And you talked about a little bit, I think you're talking about SMS uh, phishing, which is smishing when you get a text message on yeah. that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's literally smishing? called smishing. I know it sounds, it sounds silly. So there's smishing, which is SMS text message phishing. There's phishing that you know about email. And then there's vishing as well, which is voice phishing. That's when somebody calls you and tries to engage you over the phone you know, through a fraud, a facade. Yeah. But yeah, you want to, you want to install layers of security. So does that help? A hundred percent it helps. Um, you just want to make sure that you don't put all of your eggs in one basket because unfortunately these, these bad actors are getting more and more sophisticated. You rarely now deal with, and me as an investigator, um, rarely deals with the lone attacker right um you do when you get into more cyber stalking oh. but when you get into bad actors trying to engage you cyberly or even social engineering you you get into more of an operation so there's literally underground operations that they're really good at networking and they stand up all kinds of resources to not only help themselves but to help each other through a peer network. In one romance scam that we engaged upon, we unfolded a literal, it, it, was, it was a pantry list of resources that the bad actors built for one another. So if you can imagine kind of like a Wikipedia for bad guys, right? Bad people, bad guys, bad gals. Um, and it was a litany of direct, uh, of links saying this is, and this is, was one of them, how to get a, Caucasian male to send you $5,000 in one week. Click on that and it'll expose how you can do that through a romance scam. The next one was how to get his, a Hispanic female to get you $10,000 within 30 days. I mean, it's super granular and it's concerning. It's terribly concerning when you think that these folks are really, um, they're really engaging one another and setting up really specific networking uh, platforms for them to mentor each other. And if, you, as you know, if you get one bad actor, you've got a concern about that one bad actor, right? However, if you put that bad actor in a pool sure. of 100 others, now you got prospectively a problem of 101 people. Not so much as they're going after you, but that one person is using the skill set of the other 100 to go after you. So that multiplies the danger of that one person. It's the hive mind. Yeah. 
<laughs> so it's interesting you brought this up. I have a, I have, well, several friends. I work in Hollywood, obviously, as a cinematographer. Um, and I, by the way, you said ap- open the aperture of uh, the, the aperture mm. of what you were doing. I, I like that as a cinematographer. I like that camera nice. terminology. Um, <laughs> but w- I have a friend who's a, who is an adult actress, right? And she engages with people via OnlyFans. And there was a podcast I was listening to about a month ago discussing OnlyFans. And and I know a lot about like how she engages with people, but she hires people that engage to get her members. And then she, so they're, basically they're impersonating her. And then once they've vet the, the client, then she engages them herself. So she actually is one-on-one talking to these people. But mm-hmm. initially it's this, it's a fish, right? It's, hey, do you like my photos or whatever they do, right? They use social media and things. Um, so that is a genuine, at least her mode is a genuine engagement. But if you reverse engineer that back to where these people are, so this particular podcast was discussing that there are farms and there are businesses in third world countries where these people can make a few, you know, $20 a day, which is a lot of money for them by doing this. And it's a, it's a numbers game. And like you said, having a hundred people behind you and mentoring you, mentoring you and, and handing you the playbook, right? It's become, it's become very challenging to sort of navigate these waters. Uh, you almost get lost. I mean, the, the smishing, you said smishing. Yep. That's a new thing for me. Uh, and and you, you, I realize very quickly, don't engage with these people, right? And that's the best way to go about it. Because if you have no response, then they don't know if you exist, correct? Yep. And uh, frankly, they won't even deal with you. You got to remember, they're not just signifying, they're not signaling uh, Collier, although some might pointedly scope you out. Um, But you're one of, I don't know, dozens or hundreds or thousands sure. of potential sure. victims and whoever bites they're going to engage that person the others that don't they're just going to weed them off it, it, you know it used to be like the what the nigerian gold scandal yeah, or, <laughs> yeah the nigerian prince was, right the nigerian prince yeah exactly <laughs> I mean, that was what it feels like a over a decade ago and oh, i yeah. can you know you still see the emails i and you know in your junk mail i'm like does this still work and obviously it does i know that i recently read some statistics on what fraud was and it was really crazy during the pandemic because people had you know income that was coming into them from the government right and they were spending it and just like they were investing in things like crypto or stocks we also saw them being scammed out of this money right yeah since covid i mean depending on what report you read internet scams have picked up over 600 percent than pre-covid right because we're all at home we're all more um, online these days, primarily for work, but also we step, stepped it up personally. We we go to Amazon, we shop more often. It's online. We use you know uh, shopping companies that that's online as well. Um, so it's picked up significantly. And again, depending on the reports that you read, it's it's you read it's significantly more than it was pre-COVID. And that's an opportunity for these bad actors to sharpen their skill set and change their M, their modus operandi to you know, engage us in different ways. Applications that are literally on the App Store, the Google Store, they're being, uh, people are being duped when supposedly it's a verified application and it's not. So you got to be careful with everything that you do. You always have a def- have to have a defense wall up, not to install a sense of paranoia, not at all. It's just to install a healthy 
um, regimen of security awareness as you go about your day through your online engagements. Huh. So they can actually hack into and make it look like a verified app? Yeah. It's happened before. It's not been, um, it's, it's not been popular. Um, it hasn't happened a whole lot of times, but it has happened. So for, for example, just for our listeners. So as I was saying, I would, I've been most recently getting these messages on WhatsApp to say like, Hey Kim, it was great meeting you, you at yoga this morning. Looking forward to our chat in New York next week, for example, or, you know, Hey Jeff, uh, good luck with the restaurant. When can I come see it in Vegas? And I responded once this was in April of this year. And I wrote back, I was like, this is not Jeff. This is my name is Collier. Oh, who are you? And I said, Oh, my name is Collier Landry. And then of course I use it as a promotion. I was like, I host a podcast mm -hmm. called moving past murder. Yeah. Here's all the links. <laughs> so yeah. I think that they got really annoyed with me and they're like, well, no, we're not here to promote you. We're here. To, we're here to scam you out of money. So they stopped talking to me, which was great. Yeah. But I started thinking to myself, Oh, I engaged with them and I get a bunch of junk mail mm -hmm. in your inbox. Right. Yeah. And you know, Apple will automatically unsubscribe you. You just click a button that says unsubscribe. Mm -hmm, yep. But I realize that when you do that, you're actually saying this is a valid email address that you have contacted and send me more. <laughs> yeah, there's correct. Yeah, yeah. Well, it it depends on how far it goes, right? If Apple, if Apple just so I, I'm not an Apple guy, but if Apple just secludes it and then just shuts it down on there, and I don't know how that works because again, I'm not an Apple guy. But um, yes, there's always some kind of give and take when you do an engagement, right? I can't fault you for saying, well, I'm not Jeff, but I'm Collier and here's my awesome stuff. You're, sure. You need to promote yourself. You have a business. I have a business. I need to promote myself. Everybody else that has a business wants to do the same. Um, so, But when you give that information, to your point, it's, it's indicative of being dangerous, right? Because you're feeding this person, yeah. hey, I'm here and I'm gonna engage with you at an absolute minimum. They know that you're there. They know it's a valid um, contact and they're willing to listen, yeah. right? And then they'll turn you into, hey, let's talk about this. Oh, what do you like? Okay, now they can socially engineer you, right? Um, so you gotta be careful with your engagements. I say don't engage them at all. If you get something that says, and I get them too. I literally get the smishing engagements. You know, I'll, I'll say, or excuse me, it'll say, Hey, I'll use the same one. Hey, Jeff, thanks for your payment. Here's a link to your receipt or something like that. Just delete it and block the number. And it's really critical for you yep. to use that preview um, uh, capability on your phone, on your smartwatch. Um, you know, when it comes in, when the text comes in, when the email comes in, you know, when it comes in, you just preview it right there because you don't even want to click on it if you don't need to, right? And just Delete it, delete it and block that number. And they're not even going to think twice about Chris Salgado when I do that because it's a numbers game, right? Again, carving out the exception sure. that there's no one specifically targeting me as a cyber stalker, which can certainly yes. happen. Um, yes. But we're looking about the sure. odds of things. And if you just dismiss those things, it's going to be beneficial for you. And nowadays, you know, and I say nowadays as in the last two years, um, we're all expecting packages yeah. on a regular basis from Amazon, from FedEx and all that stuff. And it's heightened so much during yes. the holiday season. We'll get, and me too, I'll get those smishing campaigns saying, hey, um, your Amazon package can't be delivered as promised. Click on this link to, for the new schedule or updated schedule and stuff like that. Don't do that. 
if you are expecting an Amazon package, which I'm expecting many, uh, even right now, um, you know, just don't do that. Don't click on that. Go to your Amazon account if you're curious and go to the trusted source, right? Don't click on the email that you get. Don't click on the smishing campaign. Yeah, and, and, you know, I, and I know that some listeners are probably going, well, yeah, this sounds very obvious, but it really isn't. Right. It, you know, for some people it is, but for me, I'll give you a great example. I do business with a company in India, a legitimate company that I make um, short films for, for their product, which is, which is um, audiobooks. I was expecting money from them and the money was frozen in PayPal. I got into a panic. I was like, because it was, you know, it was, it was a mm -hmm. lot of money and I had to pay people. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, oh my God. So I literally typed in PayPal customer service number in a frenzy. And I'm, and I'm, uh, I, I call that number and it's got the whole PayPal information. I start talking to the person They're like, oh yes, we see your account. We, this and that. And then he started asking for, he said he said something he gave himself up because i was full on just in a panic mode i was like i need to pay my crew i need to pay my talent and he uh he said well yeah we can get this solved but what you need to do is buy the paypal gift card at the store <laughs> and then i was like oh but i was all in yeah. for like a for like two or three minutes because I, I had a problem that i need to solve and i realized that that was clouding my judgment much like i think the people who fall for these phishing scams with the, the Nigerian gold or whatever it is, the prince, their their judgment is clouded by greed, right? My judgment was clouded by, uh, urgent, by a sense of urgency. Like I need to take care of this because I have people I need to pay. And um, I, I obviously didn't do it. I contacted the real PayPal and I sorted everything out, but I didn't, but literally the number was online. It says PayPal and it came up and, I, and I'm an intelligent guy. <laughs> I felt just duped. But um, it, it, it's, it's, it's very insidious. And, and again, with the engagement and the text message and things. So I think this is great intel for us. So I do want to sort of switch gears a little bit. And I want to talk about, uh, I want to go from the social engineering aspect to more of these romance scams. I'd love to hear some insight on that, you know, with the dating apps, things of that nature. But your experience working with this, maybe even some cool stories. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, that's why uh, CrimeCon picked me up to, to talk about romance scams over there. Because to your point, it's, it's, it's a hot and uh, unfortunately uh, effective topic. Um, to your point it still works. These scams work and it has nothing to do with intellect that goes out the window because you're dealing with emotions. You with your fear of like, Hey, where's my money? I got to feed, I got to you know, pay my, my crew and stuff like that. For romance scams, it's wholeheartedly sure. jumping in emotionally. Right. And at that point, intellect is out the window. Doesn't matter what, how many degrees you have. Doesn't matter what role you have. Keep in mind in 2017, I think it was the nation's uh, a cybersecurity expert from the White House got duped through social engineering. Yeah, huh. this and you can you can Google it. You can read about this in 2017. So I mean, somebody of that caliber, right? Engaging, having been engaged in arguably the most powerful office in the entire world, was duped through social engineering. Sure. So if that that type of person with that type of caliber of intellect and skill set can be duped, why can't we? Right. So I just want to make sure that nobody, you and everybody else doesn't feel bad about it because they're pulling on the heartstrings and, you know, we're all human. It doesn't matter what role you have, what company you're with, what your intellect is. At the end of the day, 
We're still human. We have a heart. We have heartstrings that can be pulled upon. And that's where these people really flourish. They go ahead and they pull on that until you're really emotionally invested in the situation. And then you have your trusted circle of friends and family just trying to talk to you and say, no, this is a scam. Because it's easy to see that it's a scam on the perimeter, right? People looking in at the situation, judging those two yeah. people, the scammer and the victim. And they're saying, what are you doing? It's just so black and white. Yes, it is. Because you have no emotional draw. Yeah, you can't see the forest or the trees. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. Um, but once you're knee deep into it, it's, it's really kind of too little, too late. And unfortunately, it happens so many times to present day. The FBI, again, depending on what report you read, has put out that uh, romance scams has affected the U.S. from the tune of $300 million in 2021 to, again, different source, seven, $7 billion. Huge variance, but nonetheless, numbers that really reflect that yeah. this is a critical and ongoing issue. I'm going to edge on the side of the 7.2 mm -hmm. billion or whatever it was and less on the 300 million. That sounds like chump change. Yeah. yeah. The 300 million with this because, you know, as, like, like I said, I've watched these different, you know, even like the Tinder swindler, right? They're, you know, and things that, and I feel very naive in a lot of ways because I'm a filmmaker. So I, you would think that I would realize that, like, oh, this person's taking a photo on a private jet. They're not on a private jet, they're on a set. <laughs> taking these photos and there are companies that offer this you know uh anna sororkin uh um did it or anna delvey uh you know people like that this tinder swindler guy so oh i'm always traveling oh i'm doing this i'm jet setting and it's fake sometimes it's real but a lot of times it's fake to create this persona renting a car uh, you know a, a maybach be like oh this is my driver it's not your driver it's it's nobody um it 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 it's one of those things that you, you want to just turn and fault the company and be like, well, they shouldn't be offering these services, right? Uh, it, you know, it, it sort of teeters into, and I don't want to get into this conversation, but it teeters into like, you, you know, uh, gun control and things of that nature. Like, oh, well, they shouldn't have firearms. Well, okay, but people also shouldn't have, you know, shouldn't be doing things with firearms. Right. It's, it's the same thing. I mean, you can go on in any sort of thing that we purchase in life that we can use for nefarious purposes, right? Uh, but it, the, the them perpetrating these frauds has become silly so because our our desire for to create an alternate lifestyle online or to show that like hey living my best life look at me feeds into that and then people prey upon right. that exactly yeah. and that's that goes back to your thought on like you want to use social media for what it was intended for connect the world right share your information on a positive level whether it's to congratulate yourself for your successes or mentor others or just say, hey, folks, I think this is pretty cool. Check it out. That's what it was built for, right? But with that, you have the bad actors engaging upon it with their bad motives, and uh, you have to be careful with that. I mean, very watered-down uh, example here is somebody buys a, a, their first home. Super proud of that moment. They buy their first home. They take a shot of the front side of the, the building, and they say, hey, guys, look at my awesome home, right? And you have the numerical portion of the address populated inside that photo. You don't know the street, but guess what? You go to 401.com, they give you the street, they block out the number. You put two and two together, now you have the address to the person that you want to engage upon, right? So it's stuff like that. You just got to be careful. Hey, I got a brand new car. Look at this Maybach or whatever the hell it is, right? 
take a photo of it. Now there's a license plate. Now most people can't run license plates. I can as an investigator, but we're, let's just stick with the regular person trying to cyber stalk somebody. They're not gonna be able to run a license plate. However, in the background, there's your neighbor's address, right? It's on the mailbox or it's on the home there. And again, you go to 401.com, you get the street and you put the address together. You see that the person lives across the street from it, from the angle of the photo being taken. You now have the address. <laughs> again, it's not about paranoia. It's just installing a healthy sense of awareness because we've been thrusted into this environment. Yes. So we have to think like this. It's not a matter of like, oh, I don't trust this person. Wait, wait, wait who are you? You know, put those groceries down, even though I just ordered them 30 minutes ago. Who are you? You know, show me some ID. I mean, it's not about that. It's about just installing a healthy sense of awareness so you can combat these these bad actors. I mean, negate them as much as possible. Again, there's nothing that's foolproof out there. But if you can not answer that SMS text and say, hey, I'm not Jeff, I'm this and whatever like that, just ignore them. If you can do that, if you sure. can negate a prospective, um, I don't know, phishing scam or whatever it may be, you're one off better than you were, you know, if you were to engage in those aspects. Um. Okay, so <laughs> I don't know if I'm more terrified or less. I'm I'm equally. I think yeah. I'm still equally <laughs> equally as terrified after that. Okay, so let let's take it back. And you know, I'm somebody who doesn't like to live in paranoia. Um, but these are great safety tips. These are great things to think about. But obviously, with dealing with these romance scams, you've got to have some good stories that you could share. Can you share at least a couple with our audience? Because I sure. know that I know I'm interested in the schadenfreude of it all. I'm sure they are as well. So please engage us if you wouldn't mind. Um, we had this case, we engage in romance scams very frequently. We had this one case where this lady, the client of ours was the daughter of the victim. So the victim was an elderly person, uh, is an elderly person. Um, and that elderly person fell in love with somebody online. Now the setup is this, that elderly person lost her husband after being married for 40 plus years. And because of COVID, it was inside the times of COVID. Um, so because of COVID, the funeral was um, broadcast live on Facebook Live. And shortly after that, well under a month after the, um, the funeral happened, this halfwit sprouted up uh, on this victim's uh, Facebook account and said, hey, I'm sorry for your loss. You know, I'm, I'm here if you need anything, something like that. They always start really, really lightheartedly just to be like, okay, I appreciate that. Thank you. And then you bring them into your circle, right? They don't want to be overly aggressive because that's an easy shutdown. Get out of here, right? Um, so they start really, really lightheartedly. Fast forward into the, the, the length of the relationship inside six months of them going back and forth now they're a thing right they're uh, they have a relationship supposedly um, she gave him willingly gave him over three hundred thousand dollars of her money and much of that was her inheritance from her deceased husband and what's more um disappointing is that when her husband was alive he told her hey never put yourself in debt, always pay cash, don't have any debt. Well, inside that $300,000 that she gave him, this scammer, um, about 60 plus thousand dollars was credit card debt. 
so she went backwards. Um, it was a very, very concerning experience and uh, she got duped out of over $300,000. So what it was, was this individual, uh, this scammer had come up and said, hey, I'm, you know, I'm Mark. I'm Mark and here's who I am and here's a whole bunch of photos of me and I love you. He mentioned to her sure, that he was sure. going to come and supposedly he was overseas. They're always, they're always overseas in some aspect. So, so he started in, in the Middle East or India. I can't remember where he started, but the, then he ended up in Scotland, right? And he had all these episodes going on. He said that he was an oil rig worker, which is a huge red flag. Not, not dissing any oil rig workers out there, but the scams really hinge on uh, uh, roles like that. So he was a, an oil rig worker. He was uh, in charge of um, whatever number of team of individuals. When you said they they hinge they hinge on things like that, is that because they're often placed in different locations? Like like if you're active yep. military, you're stationed in Germany, you're stationed in Japan, so you're always moving. So he could be like, oh, they moved me to another oil rig outside of Scotland or outside of you know the Gulf of Mexico and Florida or wherever. Is that why they do that? So they have an excuse or a reason while they're always moving? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Because Got they it. weave this carpet of a facade really well. It's very very sophisticated. Um, it's no longer that Nigerian prince scam from literally, I remember reading about that in the 90s um, to, to current day, right? It's just evolved so well, um, unfortunately, that they've, they offer situations like that, like you said, so they can go ahead and pivot when necessary. So this guy started sending a whole bunch of photos of himself and it's different locations, it's different positions. I mean, it's basically what you want as a scammer. You want a treasure trove of photos of one person. Because if you have hundreds of photos of one person in different areas, different setups, different clothing, stuff like that, that's great. Because at any time your lover or whoever, the victim can say, hey, I miss you. Where are you? Can you send me a new photo? Here you go, right? It's a treasure trove of, of a scam set up for them. So anyway, this guy, he was saying that, you know, I'm an oil rig worker. I'm based in uh, wherever it was, India or Middle East, I can't remember. But he nonetheless gravitated towards Scotland and he said, I need $80,000 for open. Because he likes to yeah. golf, of course. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's there you go. He's, he's so he's, he said, I need $80,000 for heart surgery. And uh, she said, how come you don't have that? We, you know, don't you have insurance and stuff? And he said, this is, a, I'm in a private um, hospital and uh, you have to pay for everything out of pocket, including food and internet and the lighting. I mean, this is the story that he gave her. And uh, the, the daughter hired me to say, hey, we know this guy's a fraud, but mom's not listening. Can you help us out? And we did our investigation and unraveled in a very large operation. It was a global operation, including here in the United States. We uncovered, I don't even know, several, several money mules, M-U-L-E-S. And that's when individuals are seated inside a larger scam collecting money on the behalf of the scammer, but they don't know it, or they do know it and they're part of the scheme. So for instance, inside that $300,000, how did she get that to him? Some of it was gift cards, like you said. Some of it was cash in the mail. This guy would literally get on the phone with her, Mark, the scammer, and say, hey, I need money. How can I get you money? Here's, here's what you do. You, and he told her this, you buy a book, you find a book. Put it in a FedEx envelope? You, you, well, you, you buy a book, carve out the pages, put the cash in there, glue the book together and mail that book. I mean, if that doesn't say red flag, I, I don't know what else really can be. But again, 
it's out it's out the window your intellect's out the window your logic is out the window because you're just emotionally charged in the situation so she would send this money of various sorts including the book right inside the cash inside the book and she'd send it to people all over the globe including here in the states and we you know so we followed the address and we uncovered specific individuals here in the United States scattered across the country that were receiving this money and are they part of the scam are they scam well they're part of the scam but are they scammers themselves or are they money mules to say you know this mark guy is like hey mr smith in whatever california or in indiana you're going to get $2500 in cash keep 250 and then send it to me this way right so they're injected into the scam as kind of nonchalant parties Oh, so, no, so I, okay, sorry to interrupt because I, I <laughs> this sounds very familiar where people will pay yep. you to put money in your or that which feels like a scam, but it might not actually be to scam you out of money. It might be to help them with their scam exactly. they're perpetrating if, on someone else. So they involve other innocent parties. Yes, yes they, they, they could, could be. be. Parties uh, they them. could be parts, intentional parts of That's this operation. Wild. But they could very well, like you said, be innocent parties to the engagement as well. And they're just looking to make a buck like everybody else. Yeah, exactly. The web it, just, it just, the spires go out everywhere. Collier, it was exactly that. It, I, there's no exaggeration to this. This was a, I was going to say fantastic case, but it's, it's sad to say that because of the situation. But it's just fantastic to uncover the mystery no, and really promote to you and your listeners and the CrimeCon audience to say, hey, this is what to look out for, right? I mean, it was a large operation and we stopped counting the, this guy would say, Hey, my name's Mark. And then we uncovered, we stopped counting at 60, a little over 60 different profiles of his across different platforms. So he was Mark on this platform. He was Jose on this platform. He was Todd on this platform. And the guy that they were pushing out these photos from he was this olive-skinned complexion. So it was fantastic. He was kind of universal almost to say, hey, um, yes, I'm, I'm Caucasian, I'm Hispanic, I'm Middle Eastern. I mean, he could fit the bill on a lot of different ethnicities, right? He was ambiguous sort of in a way, or androgynous. <laughs> and he really, really took advantage of that situation. Again, Collier, no exaggeration. We stopped counting profiles at a little over 60. We shut it down and said, here's your report right and we did a huge consultation with the situation but yeah the guy was an absolute fraud and we actually even contacted um, the Scotland police we also contacted the Scotland hospital that he said he was at right and uh, and I spoke with he wasn't even there was he no he wasn't there and not only that that was the easy one he's not there right not only that was they didn't do their homework um, and the hospital that he said he was at it was a private hospital, very upscale hospital. And remember, Collier, he's waiting for heart surgery, open heart surgery, right? I called the hospital and spoke with a director, and I won't say who it was, but someone that very much knows the intricacies at it. that hospital. They and don't said, do it, do they? Well, not only is this person not here, but we don't do heart surgery here. She's, he or she, I'll say, the person that I spoke with um, said, um, this hospital is reserved for like, in for um outpatient surgery and the most you're going to have with people staying over she said she said she said that uh most of our patients over 95 percent of our patients 
are for outpatient surgery. You in, you do your thing, you get out, right? And the few that stay, you're looking at a one or two day stay and that's it. Now this guy back to Mark was supposedly in this hospital for well over a month. And she said, there's no way that that's the situation here. So not only were we able to uncover the fact that he wasn't there, but the whole premise of him being there was false. They just, that's not their business model. So here's the very, very sad part, Collier, on top of all that sadness of this entire situation. So we engaged our client and the victim. Again, our client's the daughter, the victim's the mother. We engaged them and spent a whole lot of time overviewing the report, overviewing our investigation. Here you go. The client was ecstatic with our findings. It was so much more than what I'm getting into here, uh, just for a matter of time. And after that, we were told that the mother, the victim, shut down for like two weeks. Mark, I'm not talking to you, everything like that. Sad stuff, but good, good path. About two weeks later, she engaged him again. And she told him, she told him, hey, I found oh. out who you are. You're a scam. What's going on here? And Collier, you can never win this battle. This is what he said. Oh, that's, that's not me, that's my twin brother. Yeah, she bought it. And she bought it. And to this day, this very second that we're talking in July, we don't know if she's still engaging him or not. The idea is that she is. Oh, that is so... But this is what I mean. This is the result of no intellect bearing, right? This is the result of emotional charge. And that's what they hinge on. And Collier, I can't say this enough, and I, I hate saying this. It's incredibly successful because they pull on our heartstrings. You gotta remember, you know, here we are in 2022, but this person engaged her when her husband of 40 years died. She's very yeah. emotionally it's raw. A predator. It's yeah. a predator. Yes, 100%. But for her, she's emotionally raw. She's gonna, she's gonna accept somebody to be there for her, right? I mean, she got into, I don't even know how many calls per day. He'd, she'd wake up in the morning, he'd call, just want to say good morning, you know, we'll talk later and stuff like that. A multitude of calls on a daily basis. Like that who, that's who replaced her husband of 40 years, right? So she's going to naturally just clutch onto that. And so much that it was our investigation became devoid. Our results became devoid. And she bought into the fact, well, the idea that this is his twin brother. What do you do with that? These idiots are one step ahead of us, these scammers, and what do you do with that? At yeah. some point, you gotta be like, okay, I, I get it, but you have to help us, right? And uh, it's, it's really, really sad, and I can't tell you enough, Collier, it's terribly successful. Um, and uh, that's, that's what we're dealing with. Do these people, like for this example, this this guy, Mark, or whoever it was, the scammer who had the twin brother, do the, any of these people ever, like once they're caught, are they ever brought to justice? So that's the very frustrating uh, topic. The short answer is yet. Even if they're in the United States. Oh, if they're in the United okay, States. If they're, if, they're a foreign, if they're a foreign entity versus a, somebody. Oh, it's night local. or day. It's night or day. If you're in the, if the scammer's in the United States, it's, much easier for law enforcement to get, engage upon them, and they have. And we work with the FBI, we work with HSI, we work with local law enforcement um, pretty frequently. So if they're state bound, in the, if they're in the United States, then that's easy for 
them to be engaged upon, right? If they're international outside of the United States, it's a lot more difficult, right? Um, and they know that. That's why they seat themselves in those areas. However, having said that, the Department of Justice has numerously um, engaged in international bad actors on romance, specifically on romance scams, and then scams in general, right? Um, they have brought them to justice. They have been able to do that. Um, I have to say, and, and I, I would like to think that they would agree with me by not at all speaking on behalf of law enforcement, um, it's not to the tune of what we would like it to be. Um, so, you know, sure. is this Mark, because uh, he did use the name Mark, is this Mark going to get captured by law enforcement? I did personally um, send our very heavy, because it was a very robust investigation, I sent our very heavy report to the FBI, uh, pers uh, personal contact, and um, you know, said, hey, can you help us out with this? Um, and um, they're looking into it, but it, it, is, it is disappointing the number of engagements that are brought to justice on the bad actor side when they're international. And I, I can't fault law enforcement you know, they're working within the confines of the allowances per the laws, right? Sure. And the relationships sure. that we have with different countries and their, you know, their intent to work with us and stuff like that. And that is specifically why these bad actors are seated in these different countries. You have a large um, amount of romance scams coming out of West Africa. They literally call them cafe boys um, because they stand, to your point of $20, you know, a day, they sit in front of a cafe or at a cafe all day long and their job is scam Chris Salgado. Yeah. That's why it's very critical. It's if I can say anything about social engineering about romance scams because remember romance scams is an effect to social engineering, right? Social engineering runs the gamut, but romance scams is an effect of someone social engineering you, right? Um, if I can say anything, the most critical thing to do to protect yourself is to be on the guard at the onset because once you engage in somebody and you open up your heart it's hard to get out of that even when you have your family members standing across from you a, a unbiased professional cyber investigative expert in the country just hey this is the deal you lock everybody out you'll probably listen to the unbiased person a little bit more than mom dad or sister brother cousin whatever like that but it's still going to have to pass the muster of your the thickness, your emotional fortitude that has been touched upon. So the biggest thing to do, folks, Collier, is to just make sure that you're on guard at the onset. Because once you engage, it can be too late. So is that what happens when I'm dating a girl? <clears throat> And then all of a sudden she just goes to me. Did she just literally figure out like this <laughs> that guy, very well could give me? Is that what happens? I'm just curious. I'm looking. I'm looking for some no, answers. No, I want to help you because unfortunately, dating applications, dating platforms are the number one resource for these people, these scammers, to come out of. So yeah, definitely, you can engage in somebody, and they can be testing the waters, and you're not giving them what they want to, and it's an ROI on their side. No, no, no. They've been. Oh, I've met them in person. We've actually engaged. We've been intimate. But then they just disappear. I it was. It was it always a financial. Well, they're just like he's not going to buy me a also, product first, so I'm just I'm out of here. I mean, that's what I think it. I, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, and there's also you know besides scammers, there's also people that are super selfish. And if this guy can't afford you know a, a Bentley for me on my birthday, then you know that might be somebody that you're engaging with. But 
not to not to make light of the situation, but social engineering dips into all different kinds of avenues sure. of engagement, including in-person engagements. So depending on your level of, uh, depending on your role, depending on your uh, your salary and your kind of exposure in you know in the online world, if you're the CEO of a large company, if you're you know a hot topic director of a company, you're going to be engaged more than somebody else, right? And they sure. will do their homework. They, these scammers will do their homework. They'll literally send you physical mail to get you on a website and they can get your information that way. So these scams still exist in regular physical mail. These scams, to your, your example there, these scams still exist in the physical world. So serendipitous, and I say that with air quotes, but I hate doing air quotes because you look ridiculous, but yeah. using air quotes, serendipitous meetups are actually well, yeah, there you go, thank you, uh, are actually well-calculated um, uh, engagements. You know, you think that you're just serendipitously meeting somebody interesting at a coffee shop or something like that, right? And they have calculated, they've social engineered themselves into your life. They've identified your pattern. You go to Starbucks before you head out to work or whatever it is. Um, you go for, you walk your dog every, you know, every day at 3 p.m. You stop and you grab some water or a drink, something like that. And they engage you again, depending on your level of professional acumen or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting because I will have, this is, this is what I personally engage in, or I, I, I find, uh, that happens to me a lot, which is, uh, you know, I'll meet somebody, let's say even just meeting them at a coffee shop, which I prefer to do. I don't, I think using a dating app is like the worst thing ever because dating in Los Angeles already is the worst place in the world to date. <laughs> yeah. Second of all, like now you got to use a fucking app and you got to like, and then you got to pay money if you want to get your extra roses or whatever yeah. stupid shit they're trying to sell you. Yeah. So it's ridiculous. But the thing that I find is I'll engage with them. And I, on these apps, I personally just put everything out there because I don't want in my entire life, somebody finds out about my my history or whatever they're like why didn't you tell me that well yeah i'm not going to tell you on the first date like hey how my father right. murdered my mother and it was the lar one of the largest cases in ohio history i testified against him put him in prison i was the one that worked with investigators to find clues to find my mother's body all this stuff it's a lot because yeah. first of all i don't really want to scare someone off and second of yeah. all i don't want to scare them off yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> but now because after i've made the film and i have such a public persona with the podcast with you know, doing a TED talk, the film being on Dr. Phil, wherever newspaper articles, online articles, interviews galore. I'm just like, screw it. So I put every, I put it, you know, here's a picture of me in front of my movie poster on the TED stage. Here's, here's this, here's that. I host a podcast because I don't want the questions. What I find happens is people will pretend to like, not know who I am. And then if I'm on a date and I don't drink, but sometimes the girl is drinking and she has a couple of glasses of wine in her and it always comes to this moment of, you know, honestly, uh, you know, I know I said, I didn't know you, but I saw your film and then it just, you know, I'm just like, Oh my God, like, are you here to ask me a bunch of questions yeah. or, and, and sometimes it feels like an interview, mm -hmm. which is, it's fine. And I get people who are curious and that's the sort of, that is one of the ancillary effects of be having a public persona is that people are going to know you. And when you yep. put it out there, it's just, yep. you, you're, you're in the game, bro. Like, like, don't be, you know, <laughs> hate the, don't hate the player, hate the game. Right. <laughs> right. But in a, in a lot of ways, but I, I feel like it's just, you know, they'll just come with this whole, it's almost like a fantasy in a way of like, Oh, I saw you or I saw you on TikTok, and I, oh, this, and it's, it, it, 
it can be really daunting and that's a very genuine connection right so again people who are being what do you, you know, socially engineered by these scammers i mean my god what is the answer chris because that's what i want that's what my audience wants what is the answer do we just all go inside the cave do we move to Kandahar, afghanistan get a goat live on a mountain <laughs> like what do we do yeah um no so the answer to that is no i mean you still want to live your life like i i can't say enough i've said it a couple of times i want to say it again like i'm not here i'm not there i'm not at crime con i'm not anywhere to promote hey just seal up your doors shut down your internet throw your computer out the window although i can't stand computers um you know do that right and and just shut down you you can't do that one you just can't live that way because the the world has gravitated and quickly so much with COVID towards a digital world, right? We're all working from home, right? It's impossible to not use the computer um, in some regard. I mean, like I said, even personal stuff, ordering stuff on Amazon, ordering groceries, all that stuff, everything's online these days. So you just can't do that. It's not a realistic option. However, what's, you know, what's that striking point, that middle ground that protects you but also allows you to live your life. Like you said, be out there socially, engaging these social uh, media platforms for the right cause. Um, I think we've lost if we do throw up our hands in the air and we say, I'm not gonna use Facebook, I'm not gonna use LinkedIn, I'm not gonna use Twitter, Instagram, whatever like that. I think we've lost because we've given up what could be a fun lifestyle of engaging with people and staying in touch with family that lives across sure. the country or across the globe, stuff like that. Yep. So the it's absolutely critical to make sure that you deploy these efforts to be on the up and up with your security measures, right? Your antivirus. Um, you got to make sure that you question people. Don't be afraid to question people, folks. We live in this fantastically like polished, I say fantastically kind of uh, sarcastically polished PC world. And you can't do that. You got to make sure that you, you got to make sure that you put you first. Okay. Don't be afraid to ask a question that comes up. Okay. I, I don't want to, I don't want to put them in a bad spot. I don't want to embarrass them. You know, don't be an ass about it, but put yourself first. Make sure that you shoot down people that you have to, that don't engage in your, that don't need to engage in your world. Right. Don't talk to somebody that calls you Jeff when you're Collier. Right. right. Don't talk to, for me, don't talk, don't respond like, Oh, thanks for your AT&T payment, um, Todd. Uh, here's yeah. your receipt. Oh, yep. sorry, I'm not Todd. I'm Chris Salgado. And by the way, here's my awesome stuff or whatever like that. Just ignore them, you know, because your world is yeah. completely different the moment you shut those people well, down. Well, maybe you, no, but maybe you should. You should be like, great, yeah, my name is Chris Salgado. I'm a, uh, a social engineering <laughs> investigator at Facebook and, and I do investigations into cyber fraud. <laughs> yeah. Nice to meet you. Do you think you'll get a response? Uh, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> I think they're going to tell all their friends take this. That would be wonderful if we could if Cross we could along. all just pose as cyber investigative experts. Yeah, this is me. We'll just yes. all find ourselves on the do not engage list in the underground community. You know, me with my former Facebook and stuff like that. You pick up whatever, but you know, it's 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 just something that you gotta you gotta think about, right? And uh, some of us have multiple sure. generations that we're caring for. We've got parents that we're trying to help out with Apple phones. We've got parents that we're trying to help out with, with the phone life, right? Apps and stuff like that. Um, and then some of us have kids too. You wanna pass down really healthy habits to those kids because nowadays 
Jesus, if anything help happens on the corner, someone's quick to record it on a camera, right? You got to be careful with stuff yeah. like that. You just have to be careful with your online exposure level. And a simple thing to do that's been, you know, said time and time again is Google yourself. Google yourself to see how exposed you are. So one thing that we do for people and corporations uh, is we do online threat management engagements. So for instance, that person that was engaged in the romance scams, we do investigations for Fortune 50, Fortune 20, Fortune 100 companies across the globe on various levels. So you know, somebody will come up and say, hey, Mr. or Mrs. CEO, I know who you are, I hate you, I hate your company, I'm going to your house today and I'm gonna kill you. If you don't believe me, boom, here's your personal address right there. And after everyone kind of you know freaks out, they engage us to one, find out who that halfwit is that sprouted up to say that, right? Because it's never the real persona online. So we engage sure. them and do what we need to do to, you know, to deal with the situation. Then on the flip side, a, it's kind of proactive on a reactive measure. We go back to the client or the victim on romance scams or whatever it is, and we say, hey, how did this happen? Let's look at how exposed you are, right? Um, and it goes more than just Googling yourself. So you want to Google yourself, but you want to have some, if you want to put together kind of an online threat profile of yourself and see how exposed you are. So we'll act as cyber stalkers of somebody. So Collier, you could say, hey, Chris, I want to know how exposed I am. I want to know how somebody in uh, Maine. Stalk yeah, me. So how somebody in Maine or Texas can land on your literal doorstep, Collier. How can they do that using the open source and information out there, right? Not using our proprietary databases and as investigators. Somebody that is for whatever reason fixated on you, Collier, how can they end up on your literal doorstep, right? And we'll go ahead and be your cyber stalkers and we'll find out how exposed you are. Uh, unfortunately, on a regular basis, the average person is exposed in over 70 different databases and the database that we don't know about. And the databases are the concerning ones. Some of them are concerning ones where some bad actor or someone with you know bad intent can pay five to ten dollars sure. and get your home address. So you gotta you wanna knock that down. A very big myth is once it's on the internet, once something's on the internet, it's archived forever, you can never get it down. Not exactly. There's caveats to that, and we work inside those caveats. So for instance, Collier, you can say, Hey Chris. Can you see how exposed I am? Can you see how someone from Texas or Maine or wherever can land on my doorstep? We'll do that. We'll identify the databases that you're exposing and we'll mitigate. We'll take that information down. So you'll go from 70 different levels of exposure points down to five or 10 or 12. You'll never be 100%. But if you can reduce the pathways that lead to your literal life, your real world life, it's I call it the nexus that that bridges between the cyber world and the physical world, if you can reduce that to by, you know, 80, 90%, you're better off, right? So you want to be careful with that. You want to understand how really exposed you are. So uh, to my listeners, we have found our first show sponsor. It's All Points <laughs> Investigations, and I'm going to promote their product and they're going to keep me safe. That's there what we're going to do. <laughs> no, this is uh, this has been man. This has been so great. Well, um, Chris, I, I want to have you back on the program because you mentioned a lot of things at the top, talking about cults and all these other investigations. So I would love to bring you back if you if you. Oh, I'd love to, to join Collier. us. 
yeah, you're you're great. And I knew when I engaged with you at CrimeCon, you'd be a great guest on the show. So thank you for joining us. My guest today is Christopher Salgado. He is the CEO of All Points Investigations, LLC. And we have been discussing social engineering, love frauds, romance scams, everything. Um, and Chris, thank you so much for joining us on the program. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you having me. Thank you very much. Okay, so... God, that's a lot. Um, I don't know if I feel better or worse after listening to Chris. <laughs> I gotta tell you, or safer or less safe. I mean, look, at the end of the day, you have to sort of protect yourself, but you also cannot live in fear. I mean, the world is a crazy place. I know that because I found that out at a very early age, but you just can't let fear control your decisions and control you from leading a fulfilling and happy life. I mean, you really can't. But you do have to be cautious and you do have to like, you know, sometimes be on guard just a little bit. And it's so heartbreaking to hear this woman losing her savings. And then it's more heartbreaking is her not believing and believing in this twin brother situation. I mean, it's just, you know, uh, it's really sad. And I think, you know, part of it, it, my heart breaks for this particular person because I know a lot of you are like, oh, she's a fool. They're, they're this people that get scammed in these ways are fools. But look, at the end of the day, we have just come through a massive trauma collectively on this planet, COVID-19 hitting the entire world, shutting us down for close to two years. And hopefully that's the, it, that's the end of it. My goodness. Um, and a lot of people were disconnected from loved ones, from family members, from, uh, from, from online dating, from dating in person with people and going out and organically meeting someone and connecting with them, whether it be in a coffee shop, whether it be at a bar or a restaurant, whether it be in a nightclub or whether it be at the public library, which is where I like to meet my dates. Just kidding. Um, but maybe who knows? Um, but no, in all seriousness, you know, we, we were really striving for that human connection that we, we really lost. And I feel like people are just more and more susceptible to this. And, you know, you couple that with the fact that they have been possibly, you know, locked up in a house, apartment, whatever, quarantined with someone. And maybe that person is their partner, their, their husband or wife, their domestic partner, their life partner, whatever it is, boyfriend, girlfriend. And maybe they realize that that person isn't the person that they thought they were. So then they turn to other means of having these strictly online relationships that, uh, in hopes of really genuinely connecting with someone because they're losing that connection with others. Uh, and they're losing that with the people that they're quarantined with and they're having another relationship. I mean, I know many people in my sort of personal orbit that all uh, were engaged in online relationships during the pandemic. And then once the pandemic sort of ended, they actually met the person that they were talking to and they were having obviously video dates and, and chats and sharing text messages and FaceTimes and all those things. But they were actually just getting to connect with them for the first time. Once we all got out of quarantine and we were like, Hey, we're free. Yay. Um, so, you know, it's a real thing. And I think that again, you know, you gotta, you gotta protect yourself. You gotta look out for yourself. You gotta look out for your loved ones, but at the same time, you just can't live in fear. And there's a lot to be, you know, there's a lot to, to take in, you know, from what Christopher said, but I think 
As I always say, I like to look at the world as a glass half full. I am a perpetual optimist despite all the horrors that I've seen in my life. And that's how I choose to look at the world. Um, and I hope you guys do too, you know, but Hey, look, it doesn't matter what I think. It matters what you guys think. And I love hearing from you guys DM me right on Instagram, right on, on, on my social medias, you know, at Twitter, on TikTok. you send me a message, comment on my YouTube videos. I try to take in all of your messages that you guys send to me. You can email me at movingpastmurder at gmail.com. You can go to my website, callyourlander.com, submit a message there, whatever you want to do. I like hearing your feedback and you can tell me about, Hey, have you been a part of a romance scam? Have you been susceptible to this type of thing? I mean, I don't know. I love to hear this from you guys because I want to engage with you and I want to make better programming that you guys really are into. So on that note, I'm Collier Landry and this is Moving Past Murder. Thanks y'all. This podcast is made possible by support from listeners just like you. Please Subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible. Find us on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Collier Landry. The film A Murder in Mansfield is available on Investigation Discovery, Discovery Plus, and Amazon Prime Video. This podcast is a production of Don't Touch My Radio in association with RSA Entertainment. Please visit mpmpodcast.com to show your support today.